Let's just be still and pause and just really, just in that quietness, just ask the Spirit to speak to us all uh, as we come to God's Word now. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your living word in Jesus. We just pray as we come to read your word now that you would speak to each of us afresh. Those of us here in the room, those of us listening online, would you speak to us, we pray. Thank you that you've spoken to me as I've prepared this. Thank you, your word is alive. And I pray that you would transform our lives now. So you would transform the lives of this community as we go with this word ringing in our ears this morning. So thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Now a sip of this lovely bit of Somerset water. Getting used to a bit of Somerset water. I've started work this week here and it's really been good to kind of be around and in the office and meeting a few people and seeing doors being fixed and people coming in, looking at David, he was in, sorting heaters out and spotting people and just the life of this place and just walking around the village and trying to work out where to drive in this strange old place called Taunton and um, getting lost and stuck in roadworks and things like that. So um, it's great, but it's lovely to be with you and um, just so blessed to have your welcome to, to me and Fiona and Callum and Erin. Uh, Callum and Erin aren't with myself and Fiona this morning. Erin was doing a bronze Duke of Edinburgh sort of practice walk. She did it the right day. She did it Friday into the Saturday and got home dry, uh, but had very little sleep. So we've left her just to collapse this morning. And um, Callum is preparing for A-level exams uh, this week. Uh, and so we pray for lots of young people starting their GCSEs, starting their A-levels, really praying into to these guys that have never done exams. Mike Callum's never done an exam in a formal setting because of COVID, so he was that GCSE year that never got to do it. So, um, yeah, pray for him, but remember others this week in your prayers. And, um, yeah, thank you for helping us as we transition here as a family. Uh, we sold our house in Crediton on Friday, so that's good. So that's one tick in that box, and it feels like that for us at the moment. We're going... God, where do you want us to be? Great. Call us to preach. Uh, now sort out a bit of our house. Thank you. You ticked that box on Friday that that is sold. And we're now trying to buy a property out at Eastling. And we're wrestling with solicitors and all those fun things uh, to keep that moving along. But praise God. God takes us a step at a time, doesn't he? Just like we're going to see in this story this morning. There's a journey. There's a process that God leads us through. And isn't he faithful in just taking us... That one step, that one step. I think if you showed me too much or too much going on, it would be, oh, I can't do it all. But God is faithful in the one step. And we'll see a bit of that this morning. Um, Matt asked me this morning just to kind of uh, bring a passage. It was great. I had a blank slot. Sometimes I find that a bit scary, having a a blank passage of, wow, I could go anywhere with this. Um, But I love this story, this very surprising story that we've looked at this morning. The road to Emmaus from Luke 24. 
Um, it's just such a great story. It's probably one of Luke's best ones, they reckon. You know, they reckon the prodigal son and this one are the kind of most beautifully crafted stories. You know, the, the sort of starting Jerusalem, leaving, coming back to Jerusalem. The process is just lovely. And hopefully you'll see some of that. Really just encourage you to follow it in your Bible as well. Uh, sometimes we take it for granted that we know our Bibles really well. But I, I always like to say, Luke, it's one of the Gospels, so it's there, sort of two-thirds for your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, bless this bed that I lay on. I don't know what all little random rhymes, but it's there, isn't it? It's all got those stories of Jesus. However you look at your Bible, I encourage you to look at it, whether you look at it now or later. Physical Bible, I love my Bible on my phone, and I'm always putting notes in. So if you ever see me in talks, it looks like I'm not listening. But I am. I'm not just messaging and WhatsApping. I am I love just to fill in notes in my Bible online as I'm doing stuff, so please do the same. I won't mind. Um, Great. There it is. We're going to look at seeing Jesus this morning from the road to Emmaus. It's also on my screen up here as well. Thank you. Um, Our lives are often described as a journey, don't we? We use that phrase a lot. Oh, yeah, life's a bit of a journey. There's a great song by Trent Vineyard that says that life is just a journey home. I really like that. Life is our journey home to glory. Uh, and sometimes journeys are those, that annoying bit in our life, isn't it? Um, my dad likes to give me route directions and do, do diagrams, and it's always about how, for my, how can I get from A to B? And the journey is just that annoying bit in the middle that we've got to do. I've got to get to work. I've got to get on holiday. Then I can stop. Then I can relax. And we create games and distractions and we count number plates and we play car snooker and whatever it takes to get us. Car snooker. I'll tell you about car snooker later. I haven't got time. (laughs) Car snooker is brilliant. But we create little distractions on our journey, don't we, to get us there. As a kid, I grew up in Ilfracombe, sunny Ilfracombe, little Victorian sort of seaside place in North Devon. And my, my family was up in the Midlands, in Ilkeston, sort of mining town. And so that was before the M5 was there. So we're doing a lot. I had to drive from Ilfracombe to Taunton before you had the 361 and all of that. And Black Cat Corner and oh, and it was just a nightmare trying to get over to Taunton. And then it felt like your journey had begun. That was two and a half plus hours just to get to Taunton and then you are we were getting there now the M5 kicked in but sometimes our lives feel a bit frustrating like that don't they like oh I'm just waiting waiting to get to that next thing but I'm starting to realize I'm a bit of a slow learner but I am starting to realize the journey is the point of life the journey is the point the journey is where all the good stuff happens that's where we meet people that's where we hang out together That's where we share meals. That's where we grow together. That's where we learn lots. That's where we fail lots and make mistakes and grow even more, don't we, out of those mistakes. We have joy. We experience pain and suffering. And in it all, and in it all, we've just been singing, Jesus is with us. His spirit is guiding us. He is encouraging us and calling us on, on this journey calling us this journey to home. And sometimes I can be tricked and fooled into thinking, oh, when I get that new job, oh, brilliant, I'll arrive. I'm at Creech St. Michael, I've made it. (laughs) I've arrived. Um, Okay, (laughs) maybe that's a part of my journey. 
But actually, there's going to be joys, there's going to be sorrows, there's going to be tough times, there's going to be great times. That's my journey. That's my journey with you guys now, and I'm looking forward to it. And we can be tricked into thinking, if only I had this, or if only I could get to that place, then everything would be sorted. Instead of enjoying this journey that God has called us on. And yes, we need to keep asking for things and asking God for his goodness along the way. But I love this journey. These two friends of Jesus. And we're going to discover a little bit more about journeying as we see Jesus through this story. I don't know how this clicker works, so I'm going to give it a go. There it is. Some little images to help us to see Jesus this morning. Uh, we look at verses 13 and 14. It looks like these people are journeying away from Jesus. In fact, they are. They've been in Jerusalem and they've now started their evening, late afternoon walk, leaving Jerusalem, walking seven miles away from Jesus. Away from Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. Do they not realise? Have they not understood? Well, no, they haven't. Have they? <laughs> A bit like us sometimes. And yet what I love about these two people is they're still talking about all that's been going on. Jesus is still important to them. They haven't forgotten Jesus. They're heavy with sorrow. You can hear it, can't you, in their conversation. You can almost see these three little characters here just whispering to each other the disappointments and wondering what's been going on. They're talking about Jesus on their journey. I wonder how much do we talk about Jesus on our journey? Do we just get into work and... Do you work? Do we come into church and go, oh, how are you doing? How's the weather? How's your week been with Jesus? Do we do those conversations? Do I do them? Not as much as I'd like. Who do I discuss Jesus with on my journey? Even though, Jesus, where are you? I can't see you. And so my first thing that I'd love is trying to see Jesus when things seem helpless. These guys seem lost. And yet Jesus breaks into their journey. He breaks into their journey. His presence brings hope. Even though they don't even recognize him, verse 15 says, Jesus came and walked alongside them with them. Isn't that great? That even when we don't see Jesus, he walks alongside us. It's a strange bit, and I don't understand this bit about verse 16 saying, they were kept from recognizing Jesus. Or other versions say, but their eyes kept them from recognising. They couldn't see him. Sometimes I don't see Jesus on my journey. I don't recognise where Jesus has been with me. Often I do when I look back and go, Jesus, thank you. You were there. You were right beside me. You were right in that situation. So Jesus brings hope into their journey. How does he do that? He does it by asking lots of questions. Jesus, I love the way he does this. Don't you love Jesus' annoying questions where he just drops these things in? What are you discussing? He says to them, what are you going on about? And then they unpick all of that. Jesus is interested in our lives. Jesus is interested in me. He's interested in you. He wants to ask, Mark, what's going on in your life? What are you thinking? What are you worried about? What's going on with your kids' lives? What's going on in your neighbourhood? What's happening in your street? We can tell Jesus all of these things. He's interested in our lives. He's interested in our thoughts, our doubts, our worries. Even when things seem hopeless, Jesus is interested. And then Jesus doesn't just give them the answer, does he? He lets them speak. He retells the story. You can hear it in verses 19 to 24. He 
goes into it. Have you, have you not heard about this Jesus? You must be the only person in Jerusalem that's not heard of what's been going on these last three days. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed. He was handed over to the rulers. He was crucified. Now the grave is empty. There's, there's reports that he's not there. Where is Jesus? I love it. Jesus listens to all their concerns, all their worries. And yet he is with them when everything seems helpless. Jesus is with them. A little bit about my story would be, someone once asked me a really blunt question. I was 16, uh, I was living in the Midlands, living near to Loughborough, Nottingham, in between the two. Um, uh, my dad was a pastor of a Baptist church, uh, I'd grown up in a Christian home, and we often used to go away with some of my mates from the youth group, we'd go on a summer camp and do lots of daft walks and sort of just mucking about in the hills and things like that, often in the Lake District. And I, I remember there was a chap called Guy, his name was Guy, Guy, <laughs> Guy Miller, who actually had been speaking with us that week, and he, he came to me. And I, it's one of those where I, I knew God and I believed in him, but actually I'm not following Jesus. It's not cool, it's not the right time, I'm in control. And so I said no to Jesus growing up. So age 16, I remember sat there, with my bag, you know, the minibus was outside, it was Saturday morning, I had to go back, I'd listened to the talks, I'd had fun with my mates, and I was like, no Jesus, you're going to mess up my journey if I say yes to you now. And I was there with my bag, and I was like, I've nearly made it through the week, I've had my fun, and now I can escape and stop all these annoying Christians getting on my case. And this chap guy came over to me, he says, Mark, he looked me straight in the eye, he said, Mark, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus' love? And it broke me. I was like, that direct, wasn't a pressured question, it was just a direct question. Who is Jesus to you, Mark? What are you going to do with Jesus? And I was like, of course I'm going to follow Jesus. And I said, yes to Jesus. Why wouldn't I not? You know, I had to lay down my pride and go, this is daft, it's not about me. Jesus, I'm going to follow you on this journey of life. I'm going to trust you. And I've kept doing that since I was 16. And I'm still trusting, I'm still following, I'm still uh, trusting him, even when things seem helpless. So we all continue to trust and follow him, don't we? So that's my first point. Trying to see Jesus when things seem helpless. And my second point, you can probably guess what the title is going to be, is about seeing Jesus in the Bible. Jesus is gracious, loving and kind, and he's blunt as anything. I love Jesus when he just goes, how foolish, <laughs> you don't believe this stuff. Well, you've just, what do you mean you don't know what's going on? You don't know what's happened over this Easter weekend. How do you not get it? Some versions say they were slow of heart to believe. Jesus just gives that direct question, doesn't he? He's so gracious. Jesus then begins to unpick things. Jesus isn't speaking about intelligence and not being clever enough, how foolish you are. He's saying, come on, guys. Do you not see it? Clear person of friends here as they walk along. Jesus wants all to believe. He calls us to come as children. Come to him. All who are weary, come to me. Come with that small amount of mustard seed faith and trust and follow me. 
these guys, Cleopas and his mate, hadn't worked out the connection between the God of the Bible and Jesus. So Jesus explains the whole of Scripture. It starts, doesn't it? It says he begins with Moses and all the prophets. Uh, he didn't just go, oh, I like that verse, pick a bit of that one. He goes big, doesn't he? He's got seven miles, you know, that's a couple of hours probably. He's going to go big, Jesus, isn't he? And just explain it all. He goes big story. Sometimes I get stuck on a verse here, a verse there, and I need to take a step back and go, God, show me the whole picture of your story, of your good news. And he does that. He tells the story. And all the way through, we see Jesus. Jesus is all the way through the Bible, not just in our New Testament part. He's in the Bible. He's there in creation, God's word bringing life. He's there in the law of Moses, guiding his people. He's there in the Psalms as they cry out in pain, justice and mercy. He's there in the prophets as they look towards this saviour, the Messiah. Tom Wright says this, Cleopas and his friends, they had been seeing it as a long story of how God would redeem Israel from suffering. But it was instead the story of how God would redeem Israel through suffering. In particular, the suffering that would be taken on himself by Israel's representative, the Messiah. They hadn't quite fully got it. They thought it was going to be saving them from suffering instead of being saved through the suffering of Jesus. So if I want to know what Jesus is like, sorry, wrong way around, if I want to know what God is like, I need to look at Jesus. But also, it is the other way around as well, if I want to know what Jesus is like, I look at God. I ask for the Holy Spirit to help me. God is Jesus. Sounds really simple, but it took me a long time to really grasp that. That the God of the Old Testament is Jesus. Sometimes I kind of skew it and I think, oh, oh, Jesus is that, oh, God's a bit like that, and the Holy Spirit's a bit like that. God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are all there together, teaching and guiding and showing us who he is. Showing me more than more. I'd love to tell you about my time as a primary school teacher and the things I've been taught. Um, ended up in Winchester and places like that and uh, with Ewan and Pam's church and other bits like that. Just funny how God brings us all back together, isn't it? But we're always being taught. When I open the Bible, am I still open to be taught? Am I like those primary school children that I teach that were sometimes open to listen and learn? Or am I actually going, no, I've got it all sorted. I've got God in a box and I've understood him in the Old Testament. I've got Jesus in the New Testament. I've got the Spirit for today. Or have I got, actually, Father, Son and Spirit? Do I see God in that big picture, that story with Jesus? And the result is, of when we see Jesus in the Bible, what were clear past his words, just as Jesus is saying, I'm going to go now. What does Cleopas say to him? They urged him strongly, stay with us. When we meet with Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, we want to stay with him, don't we? We want to hang out with Jesus because he's good. He is good. And we want more of him. My prayer, and maybe your prayer, is some of these that are written in the Bible. Psalm 119 says this, I meditate on your precepts. I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your words. 
Be good to your servant while I live, that I may obey your word. Here's the key verse, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. May I see Jesus every time I open the Bible. May I see him and be transformed by him. And lastly, the lovely bit of art by this chap called Maximino, what a great name, uh, Barredo. He's Spanish-born and he's an artist and he says, I want what he's doing in this piece of art here about uh, Jesus and his friends, Cleopas and potentially his wife, they some people think. What I wanted to convey through this painting is God's way of being that is embedded in the humanity of Jesus of Nazareth. He is not distant, absent God, but a God who became human in Jesus. Maybe there's things you notice in that picture. You maybe notice Jesus who stood outside the door leading them in with blindfolds on and they still can't see him. And then there's this lovely uh, transformation as Jesus sits and he's the guest And yet he breaks the bread. He's given the honour, the privilege of breaking bread and sitting down with this couple. He becomes the host. And it's at that moment that their eyes can see. We also love uh, the rucksacks, the bags that are put down. The journey pauses when we're with Jesus, doesn't it? The journey pauses for a moment. And we gather around the table with Jesus. Their eyes were opened and they recognised him when he broke bread with them. Different people have different ideas of what he did at that time. But whatever it is Jesus did, the penny dropped. They got it. They were helped to see Jesus. Was it the way that he prayed? Was it the way that he sat with them at the table? Not sure. But whatever it is, it was something he had done with them time and time again. They must have recognised him through the routine of what he did. My third point is, is maybe that we see Jesus in the everyday. We see people in the ordinary. Jesus sat down with friends and broke bread. And in that moment, they saw Jesus. What's that going to look like for you this week? Maybe in your ordinary, the everyday things that you do, in your driving to work, in your walking up to buy a pint of milk, in your going uh, to see a neighbour, I pray that we all see Jesus in our everyday, in our waking up, having tea, giving thanks, sharing meals, caring for others, sending emails, walking to work. May we see Jesus. One chap that I met at Lee Abbey, had a privilege to meet, was a chap called Brother Sam, this Franciscan sort of brother, and he sat there. Little old chap, and I thought, oh great, what's he going to share? Some wisdom. And he just sat there quietly and he says, pray that you would see God in the mundane. It's really stuck with me. Seeing God in the ordinary, in the everyday, the boring. May we see Jesus in the ordinary. And then we notice right at the end of this story, they've met with Jesus even though they didn't recognise him on the walk. They've seen Jesus in the Bible as he's opened it up and explained the scriptures. They've seen Jesus in the breaking of bread and sharing a meal together. And their reaction is, 
They got up at once and went back to Jerusalem. They went out that door, praising God. They found the eleven and those with them assembled and says, It is true, the Lord has risen. And he did appear to Simon. Yes, it is real. Yes, it is true. Jesus is alive. He is with us. When we meet with Jesus, we want to tell others, don't we? It is good news. We want to share that goodness of others. We want to meet with Jesus in the ordinary, in the mundane. And when we do, we want to share him with others. So, as we close, my prayer for us all, me included, is this. Is that we see Jesus. It's our prayer, isn't it? We, we need Jesus. We want to see you, Jesus. Whatever part of that journey we're on, whatever part of that stage of life, whatever's going on in our life, I pray that we would see Jesus, even when things seem hopeless and helpless, that we would know Jesus drawing alongside us, even if we don't recognise him. I pray that we would see Jesus as we open our Bible today, tomorrow. Pray that we would see Jesus in the ordinary, in the mundane, in the everyday rhythms and routines of life. So let's be still and pause as we come to prepare ourselves to meet with Jesus, to see Jesus as he calls us to remember him in bread and wine. Let's be still and just ask the Holy Spirit to show me Jesus. May I see you, Jesus, today, I pray.